return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Right. Well, this morning I'm privileged to announce that Randon Fundenberg is going to share a message. Would you please put your hands together? And give Randon a clap as he comes in Jesus' name. So appreciate his heart for ministry and his study of the Word of God. You want a handheld? Okay, very good. Yeah. Got it. Thank, Thank you. you. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand together with me? Yeah. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. And that is right. You will never be the same after reading His Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to thank Pastor Dave just for the opportunity to come up and minister this morning. You know, we have great leadership here. We just have some great leadership, some really strong leadership. Amen. Pastor Dave and Jeannie and Kevin and Cindy. Uh, you know, October, um, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And um, I challenge everybody to think about what you can do to bless our pastors here at Holy Life Tabernacle. Um, I'm sure like, like me, they've all had an impact and an influence in your life. And uh, it's important to honor leadership. Amen. It's important to honor godly leadership. Amen. We have a ton of that here. So I'm so thankful to, to the leadership here at Holy Life. Um, and, uh, and just to the whole church. You know, we, have a, we, we just have a, a Holy Ghost tongue-speaking church, amen, and it's just an amazing thing when you get believers coming together all, all in one accord, amen, all, all as one unit, a well-oiled machine, just just doing things for God, amen, hallelujah. Well, I want to talk about, um, the title of my message is Seeing Through the Eyes of Our Savior, amen, and uh, aren't you glad that God doesn't see us how we see ourselves? Right. Amen. He sees us through, through grace. He sees us through love. Amen. Hallelujah. So first, I just want to start with a story. Angela and I went to the cities this last weekend for our anniversary, Amen. our four-year anniversary. I went to the Vikings game, and the Vikings game had a capacity crowd of about 66,860 people is what I, what I saw later on. And uh, Angela leaned over to me, and she said, just, just think. Jesus died on the cross for every one of these people. And when you see, I mean, it's one thing to say it, but when you see and you scan the crowd, 
and you can see, I, you know, we were kind of up high, you can see almost everybody, and you think about them individually, you think about people, not just a group of people, but you think about a person individually, um, it's just amazing, you know, and you stop and you think, wow, I mean, all these people, Jesus died for, you know, he rose from the dead, he, he came here as, as a man, perfect, and he, and he died for not just the 66,000, which is like .00001% of the entire population of the world, not counting those before us and those after us. And it's, it kind of makes your jaw drop. I mean, it sends chills up your spine. You know, and you, you, you can just see just the love of Jesus and the compassion that Jesus has. Amen. And um, the love of Jesus for the entire world will never be so apparent than when you think about others. Amen. When, you, when we don't think about ourselves and look at ourselves, but we think about other people, some of the influences. You know, these people, a lot of them were drinking. Sure, a lot of them were cussing out the refs or, you know, whatever. Just a preseason game doesn't even matter in the scheme of the season. And really doesn't matter in the scheme of life, right? But um, you just look at, at these people, some of them have no idea who Jesus is, or they don't believe that he even existed. Some of them hate him. Some people, be based on a circumstance, or maybe a family member passed away, or they're not doing well financially, and they think, oh, this is all God's fault, because they've been told multiple times that this is God's plan for their life, which isn't true. Amen. Some people think that they're saved, or think that they're going to heaven, because they are part of a church. Or because, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, because they were baptized, right? Amen. But, but Jesus died on the cross for every single one of those people. Amen. Hallelujah. And you look and you see everyone and think about God seeing them before they were even born. Amen. Everybody, we all started out as a baby, right? And we all started out innocent. We all started out without, you know... As far as collectively, you know, sin came into the world through Adam, but as a baby, you don't know anybody, you haven't done anything wrong, right? You're innocent, and then the world kind of gets a hold of people, you know? And uh, I, talked, I talked last uh, time I spoke, I think it was a couple weeks ago, just about the nature of, of humankind and how our nature was supposed to be um, God nature and, and peace and love and prosperity, everything that God is, everything that God embodies, because we were made in the likeness and image of God, the Holy Spirit, and the, and the Son, amen, and, uh, and how Satan perverts that, and Satan makes it so that uh, that's not the case. I mean, you see a lot of the world who is moving completely away from God, moving completely away from what the Bible says, amen, and you just see him in your heart just kind of just reaches out to him, kind of aches for him a little bit. And, you know, you think about, he knows the hairs on our head. He knows he's numbered them. He, he calls us by name. And he knew us before we even were in the womb. He called us, amen, before we were even in the womb. You know what, one thing is that, that everybody's called. You know, God's calling everybody. It's just, who's going to take up the call, Right? There's a lot of people that are not going to take up the call. They're not going to hear the Lord. They're not going to want to hear the Lord. Amen. But praise God, you guys are all here. Amen. 
Praise God for our brothers and sisters in Christ across the United States and across the whole world. Amen. Going through things that maybe, maybe we couldn't imagine. Amen. Hallelujah. Just picturing Jesus Christ, one man sacrificing himself for billions of people, most of which don't follow him, is just an incredible thought. Amen. Yeah, think about you kind of put yourself in that, not really in that position necessarily, but just in a position of, of influence, you know, where you can have an influence over m- multiple people, but it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to maybe fit what you thought you were going to be doing, right? And it kind of puts it in perspective. So I want to talk about seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. I mean, what was Jesus' perspective? How did he interact with people when he was on the earth? How did he deal with sin and judgment? Amen. But first, let's um, what really happened through Jesus' death and resurrection as it comes to all mankind. So Romans 5, 15, um, 16 says, But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by, one the, um, if by, by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Amen. So, Although sin entered the world through Adam, the grace of God and the free gift of salvation, which is more powerful than sin, because it says where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, right, entered the world through Jesus. Jesus saw the sin in the world, but he chose to look at the person through the sin. And we'll get through to some examples, but multiple times in the Bible, somebody is, is, is sinning, you know, you know, the woman caught in the act of adultery, you know, but Jesus chose to look through the sin, and look at the person, amen? It says, go and sit no more. He said, where are your accusers? They tried to stone her. Where are you accusers? The only one that had justification to actually stone her because he didn't have sin in his life, didn't stone her. Amen? Hallelujah. He doesn't look at where we have been, but where we're headed. Amen? If he looked at where we've been, we'd have a lot to explain. Right? But he looks at where we're headed. Amen. He looks at eternity. He looks, you know, he has an eternal view, amen, of our lives. You know, so he sees, and, and this is how we should see people, is, okay, where are they going? Because we have a short time on this life. I mean, it's like a vapor. You know, Pastor Dave always says, you know, there's a, on your tombstone it says the time of your birth, or the date of your birth, and then the dash and the date of your death, and that dash is your life. Amen. But just because it's short doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's not important. Just because it's short, just because it's short in the in the in the span of time doesn't mean that you can't have an influence. Amen. And that's what this life is for. I mean to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean that's what that's that's our calling as a body of Christ, as individuals, no matter what we do, no matter no matter how we do it, because we all have diff- different skills and we all have different things that we can do well. But our goal and our, our calling is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? And not, even, and not necessarily persuade. It's up to the Holy Spirit to persuade, amen? We, we lead them. There's a, there's a saying, an old saying, that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I heard over a podcast this weekend, said, yeah, it's true, but you can put salt in the oats of the horse to make him thirsty. Amen? And as Christians, that's what we do when we plant those seeds, right? When we plant those seeds, when we, when we, when we share, when we, when we are nice to somebody, when, when we do anything that God would do, that Jesus would, would do, we're making them a little bit thirstier. True. Amen. 
Paul said that I planted Apollos water and God gives the increase. You know, we have, we have different gifts. We're going to be along somebody's life in, different, in a different part of their life, in a different part of their walk with God. Amen? But it's always about bringing them closer. Amen? How do we bring them closer to Jesus? You know, by, by not throwing it in their face, by not, but by loving them. I mean, that's what God is love. I mean, that's the, that's the embodiment of God is love. Amen. And so we serve a good God who loves us. Verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. The free gift of salvation resulted in justification. And one of the words for justification in the Greek in this scripture is righteousness. Amen? So Jesus looks at our righteousness. Amen? It resulted in our righteousness. Andrew Womack has a book out. It's called The War is Over. And uh, on the front page it says, God is not mad, so stop struggling with sin and judgment. And God is not mad at you. Amen. We make mistakes. It says in the Bible that we all fall short of of the glory of God. We all stumble. We all break a part of the law. We were... You know, it says if you break part of the law, you break the whole law. So we've all stumbled. We've all fallen short. But then it says in the next verse that we are justified by his grace. Amen. So although, you know, a lot of people like to stop at scripture, but although we've, we've stumbled, although we've fallen sometimes, we have been justified in our righteousness by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. By what he did on the cross. Amen. So God is not mad at you. Amen. We might make mistakes, but God is not mad at you right now. Amen. We don't try to figure out how not to sin, but turn to Jesus on living righteously. That's what we should do in our Christian walk. We don't figure out how not to sin. It's easy to get in that, well, you know, I don't want to do that. That'd be a sin, right? But how do we live righteously? Amen. It kind of goes to the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, right? In the Old Covenant, you know, you, you had the law. You had to do something for your sin. I mean, it was very sin-focused. You know, whenever you sin, that's, you know, is reactive, amen? But living righteously and in grace is proactive, right? So Jesus proactively died for the sins of the world, for all mankind, amen, washed them, says it took out the handwriting of requirements, handwriting of the law, amen, nailed them to the cross, made a public spectacle of all principalities, of all powers, of Satan, amen. And so we have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? We turn to Jesus on living righteously. That should be our focus. Our focus shouldn't just be on the devil all the time or on sin or what we're doing wrong. The focus is on, okay, how can we live for Jesus? Amen? And that everything else will take care of itself. It says in the Bible that, that when we love one another and we love God with all of our heart and soul and mind, that it fulfills the law and the prophets. Amen. So we focus on the love aspect. We focus on how Jesus loves us and how we can love others. Amen. Colossians 1, 19-20 says, It pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to, uh, to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether, the, whether things on earth or things in, heavens, in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So make, he made peace through the blood of the cross. Amen. Things on earth and things in heaven. It says, by him to reconcile all things to himself. He's reconciled us. He's, he's joined us together. When, when Adam sinned, there became a separation. Jesus, God used to walk in, in the cool of the day with Adam. Amen. And you even see after that, even after Adam sinned, that Adam could still hear God's voice. God didn't leave him. 
Amen. He didn't just cut off all communication. And you see that even with, with Adam. You see it with, um, with uh, Noah. God spoke to him. You see it with Cain. Amen. God spoke directly to Cain, and Cain could hear. Amen. Hallelujah. He spoke to Job. Amen. Job, the book of Job is right about the time when Adam was probably living. Or not Adam, sorry. Abraham was probably living. You know, it was before the law. One thing I love about Job and I admired about Job is, is even though there wasn't a law of, of how to necessarily sacrifice, and, you know, he kind of threw things at the wall and hoped they stuck. You know, so he sacrificed for himself and his family. You know, he sacrificed like seven times a day or something like that. Amen. He just wanted to live righteously. He wanted to live for God. He didn't think about his sin. He wanted to live for God. Amen. Hallelujah. The scripture isn't just talking about believers. So when he says he's made peace through the blood of his cross, it's not just talking about believers. But he made peace with all mankind through the blood of his cross. That's not a, that's not a question of, of if you're born again or not. Everybody has peace with God. There's no judgment right now on this earth. Because we have a mediator, Jesus Christ, that is a stand between. So when God sees us, he sees the blood of Jesus covering us. He has to see through Jesus to see us. Amen. So that's when we're Christians. He sees Jesus in us. Amen. We, we have been reconciled. We are, we are with the program. Amen. So everyone is living in a time of grace and peace with the Lord. This doesn't mean that everybody's going to heaven. The Bible clearly says that there's going to be a great white throne of judgment where unbelievers, unbelievers will be judged by, by their works, according to their works, and will get thrown into the lake of fire. I mean, in that passage, it doesn't talk about believers. It just says, it talks about people, and they'll, be, they'll have to account for their works. Well, we can't get to heaven through works. I mean, so if, it's, if we're just being judged by the works, then you're not, you're not going to make it, right? Well, then also believers will have to give an account before God, which is a separate occurrence. It's a separate thing from the great white throne of judgment. But we'll have to give an account of what we did on this earth. Now, this isn't, this doesn't, this doesn't uh, decide if we go to heaven or hell because what decides if we go to heaven or hell is if our names are written in the land's book of life. So if we receive salvation, the free gift of salvation, and you have to receive it, you, you don't take it, you, you know, God gives freely this gift, amen, then we will be written in the land's book of life. But right now, God does not judge us. John 12, 47 and 48 and if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Amen. So um, right now we are under a covenant of grace. So he says, if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. Now he did say to the, to the 70 and the 12 when they, when they went out to the cities that if they don't receive you, just Dust off your sandals, you know, basically wipe your hands, clean up that place, and go to the next city. That's not the same as judgment. Amen. If somebody doesn't want to listen to you, if you're preaching out of love and you're preaching the word, and they, they don't respect you and they don't respond to you, leaving and going to the next person is not, you're not judging that person when you do that. Right? You are, you are simply, you know, really it's about maximizing efficiency. If you, if you stay, you know, so you've done your part. You've witnessed to them. If you stay longer than you should, the efficiency of your, of your ministry goes down. 
right? Because maybe some, maybe God has somebody the next day that's going to be coming in and, and approaches it from a different angle. Because you know that everybody learns differently. Not everybody's going to receive it the same way. One thing I love about Bob Hannes' outreach down in Texas, some of the, the we'd call it maybe unorthodox ways that, that they bring people into the church, right? Um, but some people respond better than, than maybe sitting in a, a formal church, right? And so however we, you know, Paul said that I became all things to all men, right? So we become, without sinning, all things to all men. If, if somebody, if maybe somebody loves sports, you know, and maybe you're not, don't really care for sports, but you're really good friends, and they want to go, and you're like, this is my opportunity. And go to a, a football game or basketball game, this is my opportunity to witness. doesn't matter if we don't like sports. Amen. We do it because it's, it's for the soul. We do it for the person that we're trying to inform what Jesus did for him on the cross. Right? So that's what he meant. I become all things to all men. Our preferences, you know, as it comes to, to ministering the word, don't matter as much as the soul that you're ministering to. Amen? So, um, let's see. Yeah, John 12, 4, um, 47, 48, which is up there. So right now we are under a covenant of grace. We have a mediator between us and the Father, Jesus Christ, that took sin for us and satisfied the requirements that were against us. So God looks at every single person on earth through the eyes of grace. Amen. We are under a grace covenant. Romans five seventeen through 20 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one much, through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So we have to receive it. Amen. It says, much more those who receive abundance of grace and receive the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. So this verse tells us that it's out there. It's out there for anybody to take. And so when we, when we preach the message and when we see people, that should be our message. That it's there for you. you don't have, there's, there's, not hoop, there's no hoops to jump through. I mean, it's just believing. It's having faith that what the Bible says is true. Amen. That's what faith is. It's just believing what the Bible says is true. I mean, if you believe what the Bible says is true, then you will receive that gift. Because you believe that Jesus died on the cross. You believe that Jesus is your Savior. He's your Lord and Savior. You believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You affect others. You have influence around you. You have influence in this church. You have influence in your job, in your school. Amen. So we have to receive it. The free gift is there for the taking, but only those who receive it will reign in life through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's important to understand that it's through Jesus and not of ourselves. Amen. We receive it through the grace of Jesus. Through the love of Jesus. Amen. Verse 18. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Again, came to all men. The free gift is for everybody, all, all people. Resulting in the justification of life. Verse 19. For as w- by one man's disobedience, men who were made sinners... Also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Amen. So this is talking about Jesus coming, amen, and and dying on the cross. But in our own lives, when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, amen, many will be made righteous. When we're obedient to the calling that God has on us, we have an effect, we have an influence. It's not through us, it's through Jesus, right? But 
but we still have, we do, it's a, a result of us being used by God, right? Amen. For us, um, let's see. <clears throat> 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Covering all sin, amen, grace is there. So even in the Old Testament, where sin abounded, you know, grace abounded much more. You see, there's tons of places in the Bible where grace abounded to people. In the, sorry, in the Old Testament, where grace abounded to people. You look at, I mean, you look at the Israelites for 400 years. I mean, how many times do they turn away from God? And you, you know, under the law, I mean, you know, if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, I mean, that's the first command. I mean, that's the impo- most important commandment, and it wasn't being followed. I mean, you should not have any idols, right. you know, other than God. I mean, some of these were punishable by death, right. by stoning. It, all, all of Israel should have been stoned. Amen. But God's grace. And he's, again, he, he sees us um, individually as well. He doesn't just see us as a whole, but he sees us, he knows us as individuals. I mean, he wants the best for you, amen? amen. Now, grace isn't just a concept. You know, sometimes we think, like, well, I just need to pour out grace. Grace is a concept. But Jesus Christ is God's grace personified. Amen. So when we extend grace, we extend Jesus, right? John 1, 14 and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is grace and truth. Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life, but He also embodies grace. He also embodies wisdom. He also embodies a counselor. Amen. The thing about a counselor is they don't judge, do they? <clears throat> Hallelujah. So a counselor doesn't judge, they listen. Amen. So Jesus as a counselor, and we're supposed to imitate him, right? So Jesus as a counselor is a listener. Amen. He doesn't judge people for what they're going through, for their problems. And counselors here, I'm sure, just amazing stories right. and uh, things that people would not want other people to know, right? But they don't judge. They're there to help. Amen. As Christians, as as witness as witnesses, or yeah. As people being witness to people, uh, to other people, it's not our job to judge. It's our job to listen. I mean, it's our job to help. And how can we help? We turn it back to Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> if Jesus' grace is personified, we should also be grace personified. First Corinthians 11.1 1 says, "Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ." Amen. And of His fullness we have all received. And grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That was verse 16 and 17. So the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's go to Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Again, the grace of God has appeared to all Jesus, who is the grace of God, amen, has appeared to all men. So all people have the opportunity to repent and receive their salvation. Amen. There's no excuses. Amen. Especially when we do our job as Christians and we we you know, there's no excuses because because everybody has the opportunity. Amen. 
Should we, so should we look at people through the eyes of, or, so we should look at people through the eyes of grace. Anytime Jesus was around anyone who was hungry for him, he had compassion. It's another thing that we, as Christians, want to do is have compassion on people. Every time in the Bible where it said Jesus had compassion, something miraculous happened. Let's look at a couple examples. Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Amen. Amen. This was also the time Jesus fed the 5,000 plus the women and children. Matthew 15, 32. Jesus fed 4,000 men plus women and children. That was just the next verse over, or the next chapter over. Amen. Matthew 20, 34, he had compassion on the two blind men, and they saw. Mark 1, 41, he cleansed the leper after it said that, after they asked him, Lord, have compassion on, on me. Amen. Well, we know the Lord had compassion because he healed them, right? Mark 5, 19, he cast demons out of a man. Mark 9, 22, he cast a demon out of a boy. Luke 7, 13, he raised the boy from the dead. So when we have compassion, miraculous things are going to happen. Amen. What's more, than, more, what's more than miraculous than somebody getting saved? You know, there's, there's all these things that, that are amazing, you know, and, and we see it like, wow, somebody got raised from the dead. You know, Pastor Dave comes back with a lot of stories from India and, and Africa and, and talking about demons being cast out, people being visibly healed, like an arm growing back or a leg growing back or something. I mean, and, and that's just amazing. But what's more miraculous than somebody that was in sin, that was in darkness, I was going to hell, being translated into light, amen, and going to heaven. Sometimes we don't think of it like that. You know, sometimes it's easy to, wow, praise God, somebody got saved. But it's a party. There's a party going on in heaven when people get saved. Amen. It says there is. That's right. And that's why we celebrate it so much. You know, and, and that's why we want people to tell, somebody who gets saved to tell other people. I mean, we want that excitement to grow. That's how revival starts. Right? Excitement grows. Right? People start getting saved. <clears throat> the Jesus movement that Pastor Dave always talks about. Amen. People getting saved left and right. College college students. And who's more zealous than a college student? There's not many people more zealous than a college student. Right. Amen. I'm going to be zealous, zealous about the right things. Amen. Amen. There are many more examples that don't use the word compassion where he had compassion. <clears throat> the woman caught in adultery. Amen. Talked about that a little bit. The Samaritan woman um, at the well because of her faith and her boldness. Amen. Jesus imparted grace unto her and gave her a hope. The centurion whose servant was sick. <clears throat> and Jesus healed him because of the centurion's faith. Excuse me. Amen. When we show compassion and extend grace, we go above and beyond for our neighbor. Amen. Luke, 30, uh, Luke 6, 36-38. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Amen. So it says, it, it kind of looks like it contradicts itself because, because when we give, it says it'll be given to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So as much as you can pack into what you give will be given back to you. So then it says the same measure that you use will be measured back to you. Well, 
God is a God of more than enough. Amen. He's a God of abundance, right? So the measure that, that we give in love, amen, in forgiveness, in, in uh, non-condemnation, right, God uses that and he multiplies it. Amen. He multiplies it back to us. Amen. If you have an effect on one person's life, amen, they're going to have an effect on ten people's lives. I mean, it just, God is a, a God of multiplication. Amen. If you tell ten friends and then they tell ten friends, it gets... I mean, the number of people that hear about Jesus is astonishing, right? Amen. So, our God's word does not return void. That means when we preach the gospel, that word, because it's not our word, it's it's God's word, does not return void. Amen. And so it it affects multiple people. Hallelujah. Luke six thirty one. Just as you want men to do, you also do likewise to them. Again, we want to. We want, to, we want to do things for people as we would have done to us, right? The, the golden rule, right? Came from the Bible, right? If we want somebody to do something for us, that's what we should be doing for them. <clears throat> when you look at a coworker or even somebody you don't know, try to think about how Jesus would see them and how he would treat them. And extend grace to people who wrong you even. Amen. Somebody who's your, who your enemy might become your friend. That's happened. That happens. Amen. Somebody who's your enemy, you treat them with love and respect, and you give them grace, and then you turn around and be your friend. Matthew 18, 21-22, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter's like, well, I, yeah, I forgive him seven times. Is that, that's pretty good, right? Forgive my brother seven times. But after the seventh time, no. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Amen. 77 times. So, basically, always forgive. Amen. The illustration that we should always forgive. I mean, no matter how many, how, no, no matter how long somebody's wronged you or how many times somebody's wronged you, God says to forgive. Amen. Because he forgave us. Amen. He forgave all mankind of the sins of the, you know, he forgave the sins of the world. Amen. And individually, when we do something wrong, and we say, Lord, forgive me, when we call in the name of the Lord, and we say, and we, say um, we're, we uh, tell him our sin, we say, Lord, forgive me, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, right? So always forgive. John 20, 23 says, if, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So we are called to steward grace and love. You might say, how do we have that power? Doesn't the Lord forgive? And the Lord forgives people. We don't have the power, the authority to, for, to forgive people their sins or retain their sins, you know. It's something that the Lord does, right? But if you hold a grudge and somebody knows that you hold a grudge over them, they'll be bound up. That's how we forgive and don't forgive, right? If we hold a grudge against somebody and we're very brass about it and we, we tell them that, well, you did the, you know, we continue to remind them, that binds them up, right? Because that's how, that's how we can retain... Um, the sins. That's how we can retain sins, right? Or if you say a mean word, word to somebody, people remember those things. But if you release a grudge and they know you released that grudge, a sense of ease comes over the situation. If you say a kind word, animosity goes away. Yeah. Amen. So that's how we, you know, it says that, you know, if we forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Amen. God forgive the sins of the, of the world. Amen. But we have an opportunity. We have a choice 
You know, if we're going to be a good witness, to forgive. Amen. But if we retain those sins, they're going to be retained. Amen. So it's a choice. Amen. God gave us a choice. He gave us a free will to choose what we want to do. It says in the Bible also that it was um, bound on earth will be bound in heaven. What's loose on earth will be loose in heaven. We have we have influence through Jesus Christ, and we're a we're a vessel that He uses. When it, when I scanned the crowd at the U.S. Bank Stadium last weekend, I knew that most people probably didn't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, you see, and again, you do. You see everybody individually, and you, you can scan the crowd, but you you kind of pick out somebody like far away, or even if I'm driving, and uh, like in the cities especially, because there's so many people, you pick out one person, and you're like, wow, I wonder what their life's like. You know, because they have a life, right? They go back to maybe a family, or um, they have things going on in their life. Everybody has something going on in their life. Amen. Everybody has something that they're going through that maybe we don't understand. Amen. Some people probably didn't have a relationship with him. Some probably hated him. But that moment, I was moved with compassion for everybody in the place. You know, I kind of felt like if I'd have been given a microphone, I'd had the boldness to go and just preach the gospel in the middle of the game. You know, because when you start seeing people through the eyes of Jesus, and you'll do radical things. Amen. You can do radical things for Jesus when we start seeing people how he sees them. There's an old, oh, <clears throat> I said this a little earlier, but the, the saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, amen, but we can put, we can put salt in their oats to make them thirsty, True. amen. We're called to do that in a non-judgmental way, and what are they going to be more open to? I was telling them that what they're doing is wrong, because they already know what they're doing is wrong, you know, they, they might not admit it, or they might not see it on the surface, but deep down they know this isn't the life that I'm supposed to live, you know, people that are, are living in sin, and people that aren't aren't following Jesus. Amen. Or is, is it going to be us living our lives and showing them how to live for Jesus? It's always more impactful to, to see it rather than just say it. Amen. There's a time where the former will get across, the former will get across as well, telling people you know, that you know, there's a lot of people that, that preach condemnation and fire and brimstone and hell. And that's effective to a, to a point. Right? It's affected to a point. I uh, can't remember who it was. Somebody said that, that the reason they came to Jesus is because they were scared of hell. Because I'm sure they've been taught and taught and taught. Well, I mean, hopefully that doesn't just turn into being afraid of hell, but actually a relationship with Jesus. Because that's what you need. It's not just not wanting to go to hell, but actually believing that Jesus died on the cross for you, right? So that can work. Amen. Paul, Paul talks about um, people that... that preach the gospel in pretense and in truth, or, or for their own gain and in truth. And um, he said, obviously, prefer the latter, do the latter, preach out of truth. But both ways, Christ is being preached. Amen. So, you know, some people might just need guidance on how to preach and how to see people through Jesus, through Jesus' eyes. Amen. But talking to talk and walking the walk are two different things. I mean, people can tell if you're, if you're, you know, if you're being hypocritical you're being fake, right? So walking the walk, having him, Pastor Dave always says, watch their feet. And what does their feet say? And people will watch your feet. Amen. People know that you that you love Jesus, and then you're out drinking on the weekends. Um, that's not a very good witness. It just really it just really isn't. 
Amen. There are so many Christians sharing only out of morality, telling unbelievers what they're doing is wrong, instead of preaching the grace and love of the gospel. Morality will come, but that's not the base of our message. Think of it like a tree. Grace is the root of the gospel because Jesus is grace. And morality is the fruit that comes out of it. So we preach for the root of grace. I mean, we extend grace to those who don't believe and they receive Jesus. Conversations about morality will follow. I mean, you don't want, somebody doesn't have to be morally right before they can receive Jesus. So we preach out of grace. And then eventually, as their relationship with Jesus grows, morality comes. Amen. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put down or put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and longsuffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So we want to put on love at all times. Amen. It might be hard. Sometimes you don't want to love your neighbor or your enemy. Amen. But the Bible says to do it. Why? So they can experience eternal life. Again, that, that is the end goal. Amen. And to be saved, to, to, for somebody to be saved through the ministry God has given you. That's what it's really all about. Everything else is secondary. Amen. Think about that dash in your life. Amen. Who, who have you affected through Jesus Christ? Amen. Who have you influenced in your life? You know, if we're if we if if we think our 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 purpose on here is just to kind of live and and um, we're sa- we're saved <clears throat> excuse me we're saved and that's it you know I'm just gonna kind of lay low and get through this life without you know, doing really much. Remember when uh, I was a freshman in college, I had a friend just pass away um, the summer before I went to college, and um, he was a year older than me, and uh, but I remember thinking, well, I guess I'm just in a waiting room, waiting to go to heaven, you know, and that's kind of how I was living my life. I was, I, was, I was going to this church, I was being fed, but I just, my life was just not very fulfilling. I didn't know what my purpose was, and I was almost jealous that he got to go to heaven and I was stuck here on earth. I was like, well, what's going on? Amen, but you know, that's a selfish way of thinking about it, when you really think about it like that. But I remember my first message on uh, after the Lord dealt with me on that was about our purpose, amen, and about our calling. Amen. Our calling isn't just to be on earth. We're not in a waiting room waiting to get to the doctor, waiting to get to our great physician, right? But we're in the waiting room. We're talking to people. We're sharing. Amen. That's what that dash is. Amen. We can have an influence on people's lives every day, every single day. Man, the choices that we make on this earth affect eternity. And think about that. The choices that you make affect eternity. Amen. You can have a part in somebody going to heaven and escaping hell. And think about the weight of that for a moment. You can have an influence. Amen. Somebody going to heaven and escaping hell. Amen. It's amazing. Even if you witness to ten people and one of them accepts Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you had a part in that. Amen. Now, Jesus gets the increase. Amen. He receives the glory and praise for that life. You are the vessel chosen to do God's most important work. 1 Timothy 2, 3-7, For this is the good and acceptable 
This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and me, or God and men, uh, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher of the God and, and an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And I just want to end with this. There's many ways to share the gospel. I mean, each part played is important. You want to have a certain skill that nobody else has that God wants to use. It doesn't have to be spiritual. Maybe it's being a supervisor because of your strong leadership skills. Maybe your, maybe your organization skills are amazing. And so God uses that to influence somebody. And then you might influence through following the rules. And we have, at Dactronics, we have a lot of rules and policies that you need to follow. And, and I, I have a hard time deviating from those. Amen. So maybe, maybe you're a rule follower. Follower. Maybe you're a rule bender. <laughs> maybe you go the other way and, and, uh, and you, you push the limit a little bit. I mean, God can use that. Amen. Maybe your job has you interacting with people all day, so you need to have a smile on your face for hundreds of people. Uh, so that's tough for some people. It really is. Some people, it's hard to get those cheekbones up, right? <laughs> it is, but, but if that's what, you know, God maybe called you to do that. Maybe you're in customer service and you have to have a bubbly personality all the time, every day. Yeah. Amen. Or maybe maybe you're in a maybe you're a tech and you, you just sit in a room and you don't really interact with anybody. Amen. But God can use that skill, amen. True. God will use what you're willing to let him use. Amen. We all have multiple skills. Amen. But God will use what you're willing to let him use. Try to take every moment as an opportunity. Amen. And God will open doors that you can't even imagine. Amen. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you for today. And we thank you just that we have influence to Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that we can be a beacon of light in a dark world. That we can influence eternity. Amen. Through Jesus. And we thank you for your grace to be able to do that. We thank you for your grace to give us that authority by, in Jesus Christ, by the power of your name, Lord, to, to influence, to affect, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. In Jesus' name, we thank you just for this week. We thank you for a great message tonight, right. Lord, that, uh, that people come expecting and hungry, Lord, yeah. for the message that George has tonight. We love you. We praise you. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless you guys. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.